before it was like, I was like, yeah, I'm an athlete, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a dad now, and I also love Jesus. And this helped me kind of have a paradigm shift where it was like, you're a Christian athlete, you're a Christian coach, you're a Christian father, you're a Christian husband, and you do these things with Jesus. You don't just do these things and then you go talk to Jesus on Sunday. It's like, I need to invite Jesus into my whole life like and have him be a part of my whole life, everything I'm passionate about. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. We're so excited for you to be listening today. Um, This is a podcast about uh, the highs and lows of life and faith's role in that, what God is doing in our lives through our brokenness, what God has done in our lives. Um, It's an opportunity for people from Collective to be vulnerable and just share uh, about life and and who God is and, and what he's doing. And I'm really excited with our guest today, Um, I'm here with Eric Robert, and Eric has a great story, and I'm very excited for Eric to share what God's doing in his life right now. Um, God's been doing incredible things, but now uh, Eric is taking that and moving that forward in a way that I'm really excited for you guys to hear, Um, and really I'm excited for our listeners to be challenged by um, when it comes to faith and and really what you're doing, and and my hope is coming out of this there are people who uh, lean in more, and there are people who um, even encourage and support and uh, cheer on what you're doing uh, now in your life. And so I'm not going to give it away. I'll let everybody else hear it as it comes along. Um, But Eric, I'm so glad that you're with me today. Um, Eric is one of our volunteers in our fourth and fifth grade room, uh, which we're so thankful for. You know, we've talked a lot in our church about how important those kids are. And um, Eric's one of those people we trust to be leading them and teaching them and caring for them um, because they're going through some big stuff. And and really, that's a passion for you. And I'm excited for people to hear about your passion for students and and kids and um, high schoolers and middle schoolers. And so um, let's kick things off and tell us a little bit about what was your childhood like? Where'd you grow up? Um, And even in that, you know, what was faith like as a kid? Um, was a faith part of, of that childhood growing up? Yeah, so first off, thanks for having me here. Yeah, my childhood, I grew up here in Frederick. Um, my mom was a Linganore grad. My dad was a Catoctin grad. I'm a Walkersville grad. I'm, I'm a Fredneck through and through. So spent most of my life in Walkersville, all through uh, preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school where I pretty much was an athlete my entire life. I played lacrosse from the time I was nine years old, I think, until I graduated high school. I currently coach high school lacrosse. 
Um, so sports has been a huge part of my life. I currently compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Sports has always been a part of my life, but we'll get to that later. But faith wasn't. My parents, they were both raised Catholic, um, but have since left the Catholic Church. I guess to them it felt a little bit more like religion instead of relationship, and that didn't vibe well with them. Um, so they didn't ever like pressure me and my siblings to believe or not to believe. It just wasn't a part of our lives. We didn't go to church growing up. I had friends that went to church. I had I had friends that like I would go to youth group with every now and again, but faith wasn't a part of my life. I always, in my heart, believed there was something, sure. um, but I couldn't ever pinpoint it. I was actually baptized uh, Catholic when I was born because I was born premature. I can't remember what the I guess problem is called, but essentially I was born, placenta was torn and I didn't have enough blood. So I had to be flown to Hopkins and my grandmother pretty much was like, Hey, you have to baptize. We got to do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. um, I got baptized and I, uh, I personally believe that's a part of why I, um, kind of took a different path. Yeah. And we, we've talked about that too before where you know, there's a lot of people in Maryland who have a Catholic background. That's like, very much a part of this culture. And um, one of the things we always try to talk about when people as as babies were a part of that that tradition, um, that sacrament, you know, of um, of baptism, of shrinkling, is, you know, when your parents do that or when people do that, like it is trying to set the right culture. And, and you don't know it because you're a baby, but it is putting you in a place where it's like, hey, we're going to try to move you in this direction. Yeah. So for you... Let, let's dig into a little bit more. So your, you said your grandma was the one who was like, hey, we got to do this. Your parents were okay with it, obviously, because they spent time in the Catholic Church. But coming out of that, there wasn't anything else. Like you you didn't go Christmas, Easter. You know, it wasn't, there was like no religion, no faith, anything like that in your upbringing. No, I, I never went to church with okay. my family. Wow. Uh, the first time I had been in a church with my family was here when my daughter did her um, her dedication. Holy cow. So, yeah. That's uh, crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. So. Uh, man. Like, uh, th- I mean, I had like um, like children's Bibles or a children's Bible when I was a kid. I don't, I don't have any idea where it came from, but I remember reading it uh, like with like animated pictures and whatnot. Not animated, but like cartoons yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So were your parents... Did they talk about God at all? Because they're not, are they, they're not anti God in church. They just, because like my parents made the decision that like this wasn't going to be a part of our lives. And like th- that was a, and I didn't know that as a kid. But a- as I got older, I realized, oh, they made the conscious decision to say church isn't a part of our lives. God isn't a part of our life. You know, they, I think they always believed, but there wasn't anything else. Was it like that? Or do you feel like it was them? trying to say, Hey, like we, we don't do this. Or was it just like non-existent? It might as well. It, it was non-existent. Okay. Like we wow. didn't even okay. have conversations about it, which I actually am kind of thankful for because it allowed me as a developing young man to kind of formulate my own thoughts yeah. and opinions on things. Yeah. Obviously I wish I had Christ in my life longer, but uh, I think the parts of my life where I was learning how to believe um, were crucial for me to be where I am yeah. today. Yeah, that's cool. That's um, that's that's unique in that you you did have a clean slate mm-hmm. and a clean opportunity, which a lot of people don't have. 
Um, typically, there's some sort of family of origin. There's some sort of cultural religion that they've been a part of, or there's like sprinkles of it somewhere. Um, but yours is just nothing, which is which is incredible. And so, especially because I know where you are now, and so I'm excited yeah. for people to hear the rest of this story and where it goes, considering that it started with nothing um, and it wasn't an influence either way. And so, all right, so you grew up in, in Frederick. Um, you know, faith isn't a part of your life, not good or bad, you know, just not, not there. Yeah. You said you, you played sports a lot. So talk to us a little bit about like, what was that like growing up being involved in those things? Um, you know, and eventually where does that lead you? Right. Like it's at some point you graduate, but, um, sports were a big part of, of your, your developmental years. And so talk us, talk to us a little bit more about all that. Yeah, so uh, believe it or not, I was kind of like a socially awkward kid growing up, a teenager. Um, ha- couldn't really hold a conversation with anybody. Uh, had a lot of confidence problems, like didn't believe in myself. But the one thing that I believe helped me a lot was athletics. Because um, if I didn't play lacrosse, um, I wouldn't have had really any friends. Um, I wouldn't have been in with the cool kids if you so to speak and so that was kind of my doorway towards confidence so i poured everything into it but where a lot of athletes pour everything into their sport with the intent of continuing their sport i poured everything into my sport with the intent of being cool so when uh being an athlete led to hey now i get invited to these parties uh, now I get to go do all these things. I poured all the same amount of energy into those things as well. Um, so whatever the world told me was cool at the time, sports, girls, parties, I was all in on everything. Um, my, I guess, issues with confidence growing up, sports helped me find that, but it also led me down this other path, um, which is when I graduated high school, I was like a 2.9 GPA student. I was going to go to Salisbury University and try to walk on their team, but they're like triple national champions. So that was a, that was a high hope there. But, um, I realized I was like, man, I'm kind of a knucklehead. Like I don't do my schoolwork. I just like live for the party. And I know that if I go to this school, I'm going to do that even harder especially if I'm in with the lacrosse team because those guys are pretty wild too. Um, So I made the decision to join the military. I was like, I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to gain some discipline and then I'm going to go to college. Uh, It didn't work that way at all because I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, drink like a sailor. Um, They don't say that for no reason. Um, So I joined the Navy and learned how to be a functioning binge drinker almost every day. Uh, if I wasn't like in the gym, I was at somebody's barracks room drinking and I could get away with it. Like I could wake up at five in the morning the next day after staying up until like one in the morning drinking and still go to work and be all right. Um, and so I developed a habit of that. Like it was like work, gym, drink, work, gym, drink, work, gym, drink, um, for like four years, basically. Um, and then when it came time to get out of the Navy, I was like, all right, great. I have this discipline now sure, that I'm going sure. to use to be a productive member of society uh, and didn't work that well. Um, 
got out of the Navy, went, um, started online college to get a degree in exercise science, wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, cause even though I was like a big part of your exercise and fitness were always a huge part of my life. So wanted to be a physical therapist, started online college to get a bachelor's degree. Uh, and I was working for my dad at the time. Uh, he, he's an electrician and I moved into this house, uh, with friends from high school. I think we were 24 year olds, 24, 25 year olds at the time. And it was basically like a glorified frat house sure. where we would drink during the week, party during the week, alcohol turned to drugs, drugs turned into that hangover, feeling a lot worse in the morning. Uh, and I was, I started being late to work all the time. And I was like, ah, oh, it's just my dad. I'll be all right. What's 10 minutes. It's just my dad. Till it turned to the point where like my dad was waking me up in the parking lot at work. And I was like, whoa, this is a problem. Got an internship at a local gym where a friend of mine from high school, uh, had been working. And that's when I learned that I love working with student athletes. So I was, I was interning there doing online college, but I was also still working for my dad. So I was like really not sleeping ever. Um, just always go. Uh, it helped me kind of avoid the drugs and alcohol for a little while just because I had no time for it. But the weekends were still real heavy. Um, and I was still almost always late on Mondays. At this point, were your parents aware? Like, you know, one, one of the things we've learned on this podcast is a lot of times with people who struggle with addiction or, or have, you know, kind of addicted tendencies or whatever it may be, the people around them are more aware than the people doing the drugs and alcohol are, you know, like in, in recognizing that. And so had you had any conversations with like your parents about this yet? Or, you know, were they trying to help you with that? Or was it just one of those things where it was like, they knew something was going on, but they didn't know the extent of it. Partially because of the way I portrayed myself. Sure. Uh, they just assumed that I was just being a selfish jerk. Yeah. Obviously, my dad knew, like, when I showed up and was asleep in the car that there was Something's going on. a problem. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just I had made a habit of being, like, super self-centered for years. Um, so it's just like there's just Eric being Eric. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care about work. He only cares about yeah. himself. Yeah. You kind of create this identity around it. Yeah. You know, and you kind of create—it's it's walls, really. You're trying to protect, you know, what's going on in your life, but— you kind of create this persona that fits the habits, yeah. you know, and people just, you know, people just realize, Oh, that's just who they are, but it's not really who you are. Yeah. It's what you've created and allowed everybody to see. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, really you kind of go from a place of partying, you know, drugs, alcohol, you've kind of filled that now with other things. Like it's not as destructive, mm -hmm. but now you're doing essentially an internship, a job and school. So keep talking us through that. What was that like? Um, so the internship was going really well. Started to really develop a passion for like youth athletes, high schoolers, uh, college athletes, middle school even. And a big part of the gym I was working at, PFP, is like the confidence aspect. The part that I struggled with the most as a uh, youth athlete. And they put a lot of effort into like, hey, this is how you help an athlete get through these types of struggles. And uh, I get, became really passionate about that. I love sports performance as well, but the fact that they were like, hey, you can help an athlete off the field too. Yeah. I was like, that's huge. So I really wanted to be that person for somebody, 
who could like help them build confidence. And like when you hear those awesome sports testimonies from athletes and they're like, I'd like to thank my so-and-so middle school coach or whatever. I was like, I want to be able to be that person for someone. But my home life, like my habits uh, outside of being a mentor didn't match. Uh, I was basically living this double life where I was like going and telling athletes like, hey, you got to be reading these books and you got to be like saying positive affirmations and and like like taking care of your nutrition and whatnot. And I'm over here like just staying up till 1 a.m. during the week drinking and like sacrificing the groceries that week for drugs internship turned into a job stopped working for my dad stopped college decided i was going to put all my eggs in this basket which enabled me more time sure uh to party too um so started showing up to work late all the time my coworkers were my friends and uh there was one night it was like a tuesday night and i remember asking myself do i want groceries this week or do i want to go out and party this weekend and I ate peanut butter for an entire week, peanut butter and oatmeal for an entire week because I chose parties. And I remember that, uh, that weekend just being like super miserable on a Friday night, knowing I have work in the morning on Saturday morning and being like laying in my bed, just like, God, I don't know if I believe in you, but like, show me why like this is happening. Show me why my life's like this. Like, am I doing the right thing? Sunday partied some more showed up to work late Monday and my friends, coworkers were like, Hey man, we got to have a meeting. Like you've been late a ton. Like we know you're hungover. You keep making excuses. Like you lost your shoes. You lost your keys, stupid stuff. And I don't know how to tell you this, but if you're late again, like we're going to have to fire you. And I was like, Whoa, all right, I'll try to figure something out. And then one of my friends was like, look, man, like I love you. I love your friends. Like we hang out like my coworkers and my friends. And he's like, but I think you need to move out of the house. Uh, I just don't think it's good for you right now. So this is around Christmas time in 2018, I think. Two weeks later, I was, or I'd moved out of that house like that next week. Wow. I moved back in with my parents and just like started going to church regularly. The gym I was working at was, uh, they're a Christian business. Everybody there was going to church. So I started going actually before this to just show face, but I was like, barely conscious in the pews, you know. So I started taking church more seriously, started actually listening uh, to what the pastor was saying. I was like, well, that applies to my life. Yeah, That applies to my life. Are you talking to me? It's just about like who you spend your time with or how you spend your time and what types of things you allow in your life. And I was like, I need to start taking this stuff seriously. Um, So I went for probably four or five months not hanging out with my close friends that I lived with I still loved them, um, but I was like, I want something different for my life right now. They didn't have the same problems that I had. Like they could control it, they could handle it. I couldn't. Um, They could manage their finances and manage their weekends. I couldn't. Uh, They could manage their relationships and manage their weekends, and I couldn't. So I was just like, sorry guys, I got ghost, gone for like five months. And then during that five months, I met Jesse. Uh, thank God I met her when I did, not five months earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my life just started turning around, started taking faith a lot more seriously, um, started being a better coach. Kids were like, 
asking me to come to like like their college signing days and stuff. Wow. Wow. Um, writing, I got letters from student athletes like telling me how much of an impact I was making in their life, and I was like, me? Yeah. How is this yeah. happening? Um, and it's because I started taking my faith in my life serious, realizing that I'm not just here for me. Yeah. I'm here to serve and taking that like really seriously. Yeah, but through all that, like I continued coaching at PFP for four and a half years, I want to say I was there. During that time, I was doing. We would volunteer at um, FCA like power camps during the yeah. during the summers. Like just go run workouts with the kids. I started training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That was two years ago. Uh, through Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I met my friend Luke Staley, who's a professional MMA fighter, really good Jiu Jitsu grappler, and he's a uh, area representative for the fellowship of christian athletes he's one of the most biblically wise people i've ever met and he was like hey dude uh we're doing this fca jiu-jitsu club where basically like every other saturday we go we spar together we beat each other up and then we share some fellowship i was like that sounds amazing i'm in Which counts, by the way. I, yeah. I, I want people listening to the podcast to know that you can do Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, and you could beat the crap out of your friends and love Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a, a little bit of a, a softness culture in the church sometimes where uh, we have this tendency to not allow men to be men and to feel power, you know, and, and one of the things you know, talking to you about it and some other of the guys that do the jujitsu is that it's like control though, you know, it's power under control. It's anger, but not unrighteous anger. It's, you know, the power of anger under control. And there's a lot of good discipline with that. Um, but you guys have a unique scenario where you guys do that and also talk about Jesus at the same time. Um, you know, so for those of you listening, if you're like, oh man, I've always wanted to fight people and read my Bible on a Saturday, you need to find Eric. Um, cause there's a whole group of people at collective that they have the discipline of both. Um, but I know that's meant a lot to you specifically because of it's sports and Jesus, you know, Luke, who is an MMA fighter and loves Jesus, that is allowed. And so just making sure everybody listening knows you can do both of those things. So yeah, so Luke is a big part of this. And, you know, I I know that a lot of what he does is both, both sports and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he started to push you on that as well. Yeah. So I started going to the huddle. um, And around the same time this happened is when I got baptized. So it's like, I was just on this like, path where it's like just like i was on fire for jesus at the time get baptized go to the huddle i'm like holy cow i'm passionate about sports i'm passionate about jesus and now these two are combining like this is super cool um because before it was like i was like yeah i'm an athlete i'm a coach at this time i like kind of jumped ahead i think like two years i'm a dad now yeah i'm a husband and i also love jesus sure and this helped me kind of have a paradigm shift where it was like, no, you're a Christian athlete. You're a Christian coach. You're a Christian father. You're a Christian husband. And you do these things with Jesus. You don't just do these things and then you go talk to Jesus on Sunday. So this kind of gave me a paradigm shift where I was like, I need to invite Jesus into my whole life. Uh, like and have him be a part of my whole life, everything I'm passionate about. And so I kept going to these huddles and I was like, hey, Luke, uh, I want to learn more about Jesus. Can you 
like help me? And he's like, yeah, dude, I'll come to your house once a week, Monday mornings, 8 a.m. And I was like, what? I live in Hagerstown, man. He's like, no problem. Um, so he was coming to my, my house every, every Monday. Um, at this time, Jesse was in nursing school, so I was home on Mondays and Wednesdays so that she could go to class and I could take care of Ruby. And one of those times where Luke and I, Luke was discipling me, I was like, hey, dude, how come like, you're able to do this in the middle of the work week like this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. What do you do for a living? Yeah. He's like, this is my job. I'm like, what do you mean? Like we're buddies and you're at my house having coffee and like a cinnamon roll. What do you yeah. mean? This is yeah. your job. He's like, my job is to share Jesus and build relationships with coaches and athletes. You are a coach who pours into athletes every day. So I'm pouring into you so that, so that you can pour into them. And I'm like, so what's the rest of your day look like? He's like, I'm going to meet with another coach, have coffee and lunch with him. Then I'm going to like a wrestling practice. Then I'm going to go watch a basketball game. I'm like, that's, that's your job. <laughs> yeah. Are you hiring? <laughs> yeah. um, so from there, I started to realize that like I was making an impact on kids' lives. I was helping them with their confidence. Um, I was helping them with their athletic ability, uh, their strength and speed and performance. I was helping them, like some of them with like personal problems and stuff that they were dealing with, but none of that mattered if I couldn't help with their eternal life, yeah. uh, if I couldn't help them know Jesus. Yeah. So that kind of inspired me to be like, hey, Luke, actually, I kind of really want to like sit in and see what you guys do. Uh, so he invited me to a staff meeting with the expectation that I would apply like in two years. When, sure. I, when I grew more as a Christian, because yeah. I had just got baptized, I'm really starting to dive into the scripture. Like, yeah. really was only kind of like a cultural Christian until sure. then. But I sat in on the staff meeting. I was like, hey, Frankie, I want to apply like today. Um, He's like, all right. Uh, applied, started the interview process, somehow got hired. And then they were like, by the way, this is full-time ministry. You have to fundraise your entire salary. And I was yeah. like, well... <sighs> live by faith like here we go yeah um so just so people know too like this is within the last year essentially yeah i just came on staff with fca in november yeah and so you went from within like really a two-year period you know kind of two and a half year period you went from spending weekends you know kind of destroying yourself Mm -hmm. and barely managing to get to work on time to praying to God, God, please do something. And, you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, faith in Jesus. It's um, finding the love of your life, having a baby and quitting your job so that you can fundraise a salary in order to be uh, on FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, full time. And really like what's crazy. And one of the reasons why I love your story is because um, the things that you loved growing up, sports, there's still things that you love. But one of the things that you've realized in kind of that period of like 16 to 25 is that, man, I love these things. And these things are, and sports are so good. They're so good for us. Like kids who grow up playing sports tend to have more discipline. Um, They do tend to have a higher self where there's a lot of benefits to being on teams with people. But one of the things that you realize is that you had those things, but you're still missing something, right? Because sports can't be the end-all be-all. They can't be everything. And you kind of lived in that space for a long time. 
And the moment you realized that it was Jesus, you literally dropped everything and you're like, all right, I need to not just get this right in my own life, but also there's these kids, these students that I need them to know this as well, because you needed to know that when you were that age and you didn't have that opportunity, which is one of the things that like, it just kind of blows my mind because one of the first times we met, you were still working at the other job and your prayer request was, Hey, I'm, I'm quitting my job to go into ministry full time. And part of that is like fundraising my own salary. And it wasn't pray to help me make a decision. You're like, no, this is the decision. Mm -hmm. I need God to provide. Talk to us a little bit about like what that felt like, like what you, you did apply right away, but you've got a wife who was still in nursing school at the time and a child at home. Why did you, why, why didn't you hesitate? Like, why didn't you take two years? Why was it something you were like, no, right now? A big thing was the job that I was working, as much as I loved it, uh, was very time consuming. Uh, And as a new dad, I wanted to be available for my family more. So one, this afforded me the freedom to do that. But two, I knew that if I waited, I'd change my mind. And and I'm not going to lie, like, after I quit my job and was like struggling support raising, I was like, oh, crap, did I do the right thing? And then God provided, but there was, it wasn't like a, the whole time I was like, yeah, gung-ho, yeah. Jesus, yeah. like yeah. Jesus is saving me all the time. Yeah. I, and he was, but I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. like so this is never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I just quit my job and now I'm going to have to figure something out. I hope they take me back. But through prayer and faith and, and just really just other people who shared my passion, God provided. Yeah. And, and here we are. Yeah, so you came on full-time uh, at FCA. Uh, and tell us, too, like, you, you do FCA, but what region are you in? I'm in North Frederick, so that's uh, Walkersville High School, Catoctin High School, and the middle schools there, uh, and Mount St. Mary's University. Yep. And so you are now serving and bringing Jesus into the same communities that have been a part of your life and your family's life for a very long time. So November, you you go all in, and you are officially doing ministry full-time. Um, I started going to church when I was in middle school, but I went to church in a different county. So like, it'd be like living in Frederick, but going to church in Montgomery County. I grew up in Loudoun County, but I went to church in Fairfax County. Then I had my home you know, area. I went to Parkview High School in Sterling, Virginia, played baseball. But like, Jesus was not a part of... Monday through Friday for me because my church life was separate from my life life. Um, Nobody in my high school would have known that I followed Jesus. And when I was in high school feeling that tension, I joined the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because I was like, I need Jesus to be a part of my life. Um, I don't know how to do it here because that was a thing. There weren't like clubs for that. And, you know, my, my church, my community, my friends were all in a different county. So it wasn't like there was a small group around me. And I joined the FCA because it was like, I know sports and I know Jesus. How do I put these two things together? And that's ultimately what FCA does. And so talk to us a little bit about what does that look like for you and and specifically the benefit of that for students? Because one of the cool things is people know you and people will listen to this podcast and they'll see you back in the fourth and fifth grade room and they'll go, wait a second, that guy knows a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to my kids and what they need. Um, so it's kind of 
wisdom, but share like, what does that look like? Like, how do you bring Jesus into those conversations? How do you even get into that opportunity? Cause it's not, cause it's not easy either. It's not yeah. like you just get to show up and, and do it, but you know, kind of tell people what does that look like for you right now? The FCA has a couple like methodologies on how to do this. And the number one thing that we use is something that we call the E3 discipleship, uh, like formula and E3 stands for engage, equip and empower. Um, you engage the athlete or coach, uh, build relationship with them. Um, eventually you equip them with the gospel. Um, whenever that happens, that might be a year down the road. It might be two. Um, it might be a week. Um, and then you empower them to do the same because Jesus called us to be disciple makers. And so we take that seriously. Everlasting impact is going to happen when the person that you touch, touch somebody else. So the schools that I'm assigned to, uh, and Catoctin, they have an FCA club. Uh, that meets yeah. currently once a month. Um, and I'll go in and talk to the athletes there. The leaders of that club, the student athletes who are leaders of that club, I, I text with them, uh, Instagram chat with them, whatever they want to use. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever students are using. Yeah, right. right. Uh, to just see what they need. Like, hey, guys, your club meeting's coming up. You guys want donuts? You want T-shirts? You want? Does somebody need a Bible? Like, I got you on that. Um, the club, I, I, my vision is I'm just a helper. I just provide tools uh, and let the students lead that. So like if they want to do an activity day, I'm like, how can I help fund and, and, and plan? Um, if they want to do a Jericho walk, how can I help plan? So my job there is just to kind of equip uh, the clubs. They've already been engaged with the gospel, so I'm just equipping. But I also help coach and I will help other teams in these schools. But like when it comes to coaching, obviously I can't just show up to practice and be like spouting the gospel. That would probably get me some some backlash yep. um so that's just engage just build relationships with students athletes and coaches um and hope that one day they say hey you're different yeah. uh what makes you different and i'm just like i'm glad you asked here's yeah. what makes me different it's jesus yeah. so with the the coaching side it's it's pretty much engaged the club side it's it's equip uh, all of that with the hopes of eventually empowering or like getting some of these kids to go to FCA sports camps in the summer. The camps are kind of where the magic mostly happens. There's like, cause they're surrounded by other kids like them who either know Jesus or don't, but they've got all these leaders who know Jesus and they're participating in actually high level sport instruction. So they're like, they're like, all right, I'm putting a check in that box, but what else is going on here? Yeah. And FCA sports camps by far saves more uh, athletes than any other part of our ministry. Yeah. So my hope is just to get kids to get, get to that, build their relationship so I can invite them to those things, potentially scholarship them to those things if need be, but just get as many kids to in an environment where they can feel Jesus's presence. Yeah. One of the coolest things about what you do is um, you, you don't really lead the kids, right? Like it does have to be a student initiative. And it has to be so encouraging to see students, specifically student athletes saying, all right, I want Jesus to be a part of both of these things in my life, like school and sports. Let's start this club. And then you get to be like the biggest cheerleader they have and just say, hey, you got this and you can do this. And how can I help this? And there's just a really good culture in what you're doing where it doesn't all rely on you. And you know, really what you're trying to do is, is encourage and care and lead these kids and show these kids who Jesus is. 
um, so that they can make those decisions on their own so that when they graduate, especially there's a piece of them when they, if they find themselves in the exact same position you're in, they go, wait a second. Like there has to be more to this. And I remember Mm -hmm. having this conversation about the answer is Jesus, or there has to be more to this. And I remember this coach that was in my life, like what was it with him? And, you know, while you're doing it for FCA and while, you know, you are in ministry, it is, I do want to encourage everybody listening. That's just how we should live our lives. Like we should live our lives in such a way when people see it, they go, something's different. And you go, let me tell you what that is, you know? And that's, that's what you do. And it's crazy to think you've been put in that position, you know, because of, uh, God's grace. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that makes you uniquely qualified uh, to do this because you know what it's like to play sports, but you know what it's like to take that really good thing and, and go the wrong direction with it. And now you're taking that really good thing and you're trying to help other students not go the wrong direction with it, which is just kind of incredible. But one of the scary things about it, like it's hard enough to get into schools and, you know, the climate around this has changed a little bit. You know, there's a lot of teachers that go to collect a lot of people that work in schools, and it isn't something that you're just allowed to bring up, you know. Um, so, so much of it is on, like, the way you live your life, and people get to see it, then ask questions. And once they ask, you get to kind of lead them through it. But really, like, one of the things that you are doing is you're just kind of taking this risk and saying, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna raise my salary, and I'm going to put myself in a place where hopefully uh, doors open. So what has that felt like? You know, share with us a little bit about, like, what is it like – uh, seeing the good things happen, right? Like, cause you've had a lot of moments already where God's working. Um, how has that made you feel and how has that impacted your faith? Right. Cause like you, you just admitted, you said, yeah, I'm still feel like I'm pretty new to this. Um, but now you're seeing God work through you and other people. How has that impacted your faith? How has that grown your faith? Uh, it's been amazing. Um, I've gotten to see, people who were questionable about their faith uh, start going to church. Uh, People who weren't sure about Jesus start becoming sure about Jesus. Uh, I've gotten to see athletes dealing with injury have gratitude about it uh, because of their faith in God. And I I can't take credit for this. Uh, It's all all him. But I got to say it's encouraging to know that God opened that door for me to open that door for other people. Yeah, sometimes I do have that imposter syndrome where I'm like, I'm not qualified to do this. I got to remember that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And then I see the fruits of the labor happening. And I'm like, oh, like I didn't really do much. I just kind of like put my foot in the door and they just like God flung it open for them. And so I just provide a small opening for people and God does the rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Our students need that now more than ever. It's been, it's a little bit of a soapbox that collective right now is, um, you know, our fourth and fifth graders, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, because their, their life is so heavy right now. It's just so, it's so heavy and they're experiencing things that at a, at a rate and at a younger age than when we experienced it, but they need people, specifically they need adults in their life who love them unconditionally and can show them the love of Christ because things are just so hard right now. Yeah. And you get this unique opportunity to walk them through some of these things. You know, and, and I know for me, like playing sports growing up, I would talk to my coach before I talked to my parents. 
you know, don't know why, like they were just a coach. It wasn't like there was anything else to it. They taught me how to hit, you know? Um, but there's this safety there and like you are, you are that person, um, for a lot of students right now, um, which is incredible. Talk to us a little bit though, about some of the, the fears that come with this, because, um, you are unique on this podcast in that we've had people that were in ministry. We have people that lead at collective, um, but you are currently in ministry right now, and it's heavy. Yeah, I mean, it can be hard sometimes, for sure. Uh, I don't always know what I'm doing. Um, matter of fact, most of the time I don't, and uh, I just kind of try to figure it out. A lot of my ministry relies on other people, uh, and if other people are either not responsive or don't want the responsibility, I kind of get stuck in a spot where I have to do it all, um, which is fine right now because it's not a ton to do, but eventually it will be. Um, so I'm praying a lot to uh, meet people who share my passion and share my vision, um, who would be interested in volunteering. Because um, like I said, I, I coach with Walkers of Lacrosse, but I can't coach for every team uh, in every school. Um, and so I'm currently looking for people to character coach for different uh, sports teams so that they have somebody who I can equip with uh, FCA resources so that they can begin that E3 process with uh, athletes and coaches in those areas. I don't personally like emails and cold calling and and doing all that stuff. Um, So doing that part is hard for me. So I'm always praying about that. But furthermore, like when I am in the trenches, like working with athletes, working with coaches, having those conversations. I am a new Christian. I don't have all the biblical wisdom. Uh, So sometimes I get questions about stuff and I'm like, I haven't read that yet, Um, but I'll get back to you. Um, So I'm just always praying that God provides that gospel wisdom for me. Uh, Always praying that he also provides me the discipline uh, to find it myself. I, got to, I have grown a whole lot in Christ and in my biblical wisdom in the few months I've been on staff, but that, that uh, imposter syndrome always creeps in. Like there's somebody who knows more sure. and I'm over here leading them what's going on. So just, just remembering that I'm not the one who's at the wheel right now. Yeah. I didn't choose this for my life. Yeah. He did. So I'm in the right spot. Yeah. 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 And it's cool, man. I, I think, uh, going back to the prayer you prayed a few years ago of like, God, I, I think you're real. I feel that you're real. <laughs> like do something. Uh, now you can look back and go, Oh crap. He did something, yeah. you know? And, um, it's a very dangerous prayer to pray. Um, but it's one that I think we all have to do at some point, mm-hmm. which is God, what, what do you want from me? And I'd warn everybody who tries that, that typically he ends up asking you to do something bold and asking you to do something crazy. And, you know, it's a, it's a testing of our faith and and not like in a pass fail sense, but in a, all right, like if you, if you want to go down this road, let's, let's, let's go down this road. And, um, you who grew up with zero church background, zero faith background, find Jesus, quit your job and go into ministry. Um, one, that's the power of, of what God does in our lives. Like when your life has been changed, it's hard not to completely 
move to a different chapter and move to a different lane and say, I'm going to live this completely different life. And, you know, there's a lot of, of people who struggle with that, who grew up in the church and like faith's been a part of their life. They don't remember and they don't, you know, they kind of haven't experienced that like life changing moment. Cause it's been like a long journey for that. And, you know, so for those of you listening who do have the, the long journey of faith, like there's nothing wrong with that, but the challenge is not to lose sight of those life changing moments and not to disregard those life-changing moments because they might not be this massive moment that flips everything upside down. But when you ask God to change things, he changes things. Mm -hmm. And when you ask God to do something, he does something. And you are, as weird as it sounds, lucky enough to go from nothing to everything. Yeah. And because of that, like your gratefulness for that and your desire to to show that to other people is massive. And it's just incredible. Um, For those of you listening who resonate with Eric's story, who resonate with what is it like to be an athlete, but like feel like something's missing. Um, you got to come and talk to this guy on a Sunday morning because just like in any scenario, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And FCA is one of the unique organizations that tends to have a good reputation to get into schools pretty quickly, Yeah, you know, but the thing is you got to have the right people to do it. And um, one of the best things that we can do as a church and as a community is to be praying for Eric as, as he does this, but supporting him as well. The way I look at it is it's no different than you being a missionary. Instead of going to another country, you go to schools. And instead of focusing on developing something or building something or you know empowering new pastors there, you're literally doing that with athletes. It is no different. And so um, Eric being a missionary in our city that we love, um, I just want to encourage you guys to to find him and pray for him and ask him how you can help him with this because because even though there's a great opportunity ahead of him, there's a lot of kids. Uh, make sure to find him and talk to him about that. All right, so let's move to the wisdom portion and and really like what advice would you give? Because you know every everybody that shares on this podcast, everybody who shares their story has a unique life experience, has um, a unique faith experience, whether it's you know, growing up in the church and having a good experience or growing up in the church and having a bad experience or like you no church experience, then all of a sudden, like Jesus kind of smacks you in the face and you're like, man, this is what I need. There's wisdom and experience that you have had that you can offer to other people. So for you, what's some of the advice that you would give, some advice that can encourage them and keep them going? What advice would that be? One of the biggest things with my story, it sounds a lot like like I just prayed and God had an enormous answer to prayer uh, and that he just randomly just spoke because I asked. But the truth is, is God was speaking that entire time. Uh, I just wasn't listening. So good. Um, the kids that I get to minister to, they're going to chuckle if they hear this because I share this with them all the time um, and take a sports approach to this. I played lacrosse my entire life. If you throw me on a basketball court and you have John Wooden, a Hall of Fame basketball coach, shouting basketball plays at me the entire time, telling me exactly what to do. I'm still not going to do it because I have no idea what he's saying. I haven't read the playbook. I don't know the coach. It's the same thing with your life. Um, God is a Hall of Fame coach. He is the greatest coach that we have. And he is constantly calling out the plays for you to do. But if you haven't studied the playbook, and if you haven't taken the time to get to know the coach, you're not going to do what he tells you to do. Study the playbook. Read the Bible. If you're struggling with your finances, there's something in there for it. If you're struggling with your relationships, there's something in there for it. If you want to make a career shift, there's probably something in there for it. But furthermore, you're not going to listen to God's call. You're not going to know what it sounds like 
if you haven't been building a relationship with him. Yeah, and it's such, such a good reminder that God's always there. He's always pushing us. You know, it's that feeling inside. Um, we don't always listen to it. You know, we don't always know it's him, but it's constant if we take a step back and, and listen and put ourselves in the right place. Um, I'm very thankful for you and the fact that um, you listened and God put some people in your life specifically who, you know, even just giving some advice that, hey, you got to move out. Yeah. And you were, you listened and it was a step in going, okay, I don't know, you know, what's going on here. I don't know what's going to happen in my life, but it was the right advice. And you listened and you saw good things happen. And the next step and the next step, um, and all along, it's just God trying to trying really hard to kind of get you into the right place. And really as weird as it sounds to get you where you are right now, mm-hmm. you know, which, um, I know two years ago, someone told you, Hey man, you're going to be in ministry full time. You'd be like, Nope, <laughs> that's not what I'm going to do. Um, which is just kind of incredible, you know, talking about playbook and talking about God's word and scripture. One of the things I've learned through sitting down with people is that God's word speaks to everybody differently. So one of the questions that we finish up with is, Hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? You know, this is the one that you wake up in the morning and it's just in your head. You know, you're about to go talk to a coach to see if you get into a school and you're like, all right, this is what I need. This is what I need right now. So what is your right now, you know, cause it changes, um, depending on life, but what would be your favorite Bible verse right now? Uh, I get the numbers jumbled up all the time, but first Corinthians 16 verses 13 and 14, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be strong, be courageous and do everything with love. Yeah, man. It's so good. I, uh, I'm so thankful for what you do. Um, I'm so thankful that you've chosen, risk and faith and um, the really scary thing of going all in on ministry and um, you're doing it and you're crushing it. Collective is a better church because of you. And, and I just want to say this again, like if you know Eric, if you don't know Eric, go find him, go talk to him, encourage him. If you aren't a Frederick local and you listen to this podcast, be praying for him because um, Eric really does have this unique opportunity to pour into these students in a way that they desperately need and in a way that like not a lot of people get to do. And you're doing it and we're so excited to, to hear what happen, happens next. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for being honest and vulnerable. Really, thank you for being an example for our students of what it looks like to um, step out on faith and to be real, um, but to be honest about what God's doing. And um, we're lucky to have you, and uh, not just in our church, but in our county. Thank you. No problem. I'm happy to be here.